Grab your seat. We'll uh, we'll make a start. Okay, back in. We're in back in Philippines. If you're visit, uh, visiting us this morning, um, we've been just uh, working our way through the Book of Philippines. So if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to uh, turn there. I think it will also be on the uh, screen as well. Uh, story so far of uh, the book of Philippines is that we're looking at a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, um, probably uh, 15 years or so after the church was originally planted by by Paul himself. And uh, he's writing on a couple of issues just to help them, but it's also to be encouragement. Uh, If you look through the book of Philippines, it often talks about the whole sense of joy and rejoicing. And uh, that's very much part of Paul's encouragement to them. And we're in chapter two, which is probably some of the more famous verses out of the letter that we've already looked at. But we're going to be starting at verse 19 this morning, um, which follows on from this amazing exaltation that Paul gives about Jesus's attitude and how ours in the church should be that the same of Christ Jesus, who, who gave up everything and laid his life down. Uh, for us. And in the same way, we as believers are to model his model of laying our lives down for one another. And so we get to the end of this chapter. Of course, the book or the letter is subdivided into chapters for us. But as we look at the end of chapter two, we start to see or have started to see how Paul has taken the model of who Jesus is and how he laid his life down for one another. To talk about very real things, two friends of his. What we're going to be looking at is his friends Timothy and Epaphrodites. And even in this sort of almost quite normal letter, we see the heart of God coming through. Paul is captivated by Jesus. And in his friendships with these two guys, he is trying to model something to the church of Philippi and about how he loves these um, and cares for these two men. So if we look at verse 19, it says this, am I in the way? I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Isn't it lovely to have friends like that? We long for people around us that actually so genuinely care for one another. Timothy, uh, Paul's heart here is that Timothy, there's nobody like him. He's not saying that everybody else is rubbish. He's not saying that. But, you know, there's some people sometimes, isn't there? You just see something that God's blossomed in their character. You think, oh, Joe, I'd love to be like them. I'd love to be how they respond to different things. And here we see Paul's heart for this, this, this man, Timothy, his son in the Lord, as we read. And Timothy's heart for the church in Philippi. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident that Lord, uh, confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Very just normal stuff, isn't it, that Paul's writing to the church here. This isn't sort of clever theology. This is, this, this is my son. This is the one I've loved and I've trained and I've raised. And I'm sending him to you. 
I just love that very normalness in the way that Paul writes. But I also think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. So we see the sort of exchanges about to happen. One guy's going one way, the other's going the other way. But these are two men that Paul has great, deep affection for. And I think we can learn something about in our own uh, own context, our own church scenario. Paul, as you know, is an apostle being called by God, by the Holy Spirit, came on him to go and preach the gospel. And if you remember when we first looked at the beginning of the book of Philippines, we just dipped into the book of Acts and just reminded ourselves of how the church was initially planted, how they ended up in Philippi. And if you remember the story that Paul wasn't intending to go there, and then he had this amazing vision and felt God calling him over to Macedonia. And of course, they then went and they planted the church. Paul has, throughout his life in knowing Jesus, has depended on the Holy Spirit speaking to him and leading him, taking him on a journey that he wouldn't do otherwise unless God was speaking to him. And it's in this context of these two men, he's, he's talking about, in the, he often uses this sort of phrase, in the Lord Jesus. Everything is about what Jesus is telling him, what through the Holy Spirit is saying to him. And so often I think we can get into church life, we can get into programs and ministries and things, and we forget that actually we still need to hear Jesus telling us, is this the very thing you want me to be doing? It's just easy to get into routine. It's another new year. We get our calendars out and say, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, because we've always done this. And actually the danger is we just, it just becomes mechanical. It just becomes, well, routine. And yet in Paul, we see something about how he totally relied on the Holy Spirit to direct him, even taking him into a nation that he hadn't planned to go. How easy is it for us in our own decisions, whatever they may be, to actually, Jesus, what are you saying to me at this moment? And do you know what? Sometimes when we ask those questions, it's almost like there's silence from heaven. Have you ever had that moment or are having that moment where, you say, Lord, what is, what is it next? What is it that you'd have me do? And it feels pretty silent. Do you know, I think even in those long, barren times, and I'm sure all of us have had them at different times, the danger is to run after something that looks attractive as opposed to wait to God speaking and then leading. And it's having the confidence and the faith to keep walking in faith even when heaven feels silent. I'm sure even as um, Trevor just shared his story and uh, it, probably in that story there were times of God where are you in this story? 
and we've all had of those. Paul was a man who responded to God as he spoke. And often he will speak in ways that perhaps we hadn't anticipated. Perhaps he'll speak in ways that we perhaps didn't want him to speak to us. Oh, Lord, do you really want me? You think of um, Jonah, which is called to go to Nineveh. Nineveh? Are you sure, Lord? Have you, have, you, have you got that right? No, I think I'm going to make my own plans and go in the opposite direction. You know, I could, I could feel like that. you feel like that? Is it just me? So I just thought, I don't want to go to Weymouth. Our little story of coming to Weymouth was um, we had moved to Puddletown, leafy suburban village life in Puddletown. And uh, I remember about a week after we moved, we moved in the August, uh, probably about a week before the August bank holiday. And uh, we decided that we'd had enough of unpacking boxes and all that sort of stuff. Let's just have the day off on the bank holiday Monday. Let's go down to Weymouth. So uh, Catherine and I came down to Weymouth. And we drove down Commercial Road here. And you know what bank holidays are like in Weymouth? Hugely busy. Just It was like this glorious sunshine. And we carried on driving around the corner. And we got uh, just round by the ship in, round, round that area, go under the, under the lifting bridge arch. And you know you have to turn left there by the Guildhall. That's what you're supposed to do. I didn't realize that. Because there were so many people around, and I hadn't noticed the no entry sign. So I carried driving on down the quay, uh, going down the wrong way. And of course, everybody was a little bit tipsy because uh, it was a bank holiday Monday in the sunshine. And there were people shouting at us and telling us all sorts of expletives and, uh, you know, how could we be so silly and all that sort of stuff. And I remember saying to Catherine, you know, I'm so glad we've moved to Puddletown and not to Weymouth. Uh, I wouldn't want to live here. And then God had his ideas, and after five years of nice, leafy village life, God called us, with many of you as well, to come and help plant the church here in Weymouth. And I love the town now. I absolutely love it. It's funny, as I was trying to, you probably might have seen, I was trying to avoid the England school yesterday because our Abby was in a show at the pavilion. So I thought, can I go to the show and not hear the score before I get home? Um, and in the halftime interval, somebody behind me said, oh, yeah, England are 1-0 up already. So, okay. So I thought, I'll try and avoid it again. And literally, as I'm walking out the pavilion, yeah, they've won 2-1, 2-0. Uh, uh, so I completely didn't do that. But I walked down the road that I had driven the wrong way. And all the guys were outside the rendezvous coming out, a little bit worse for wear, but very happy. And I thought to myself, how different is my reaction now to what it was when I first came? I love this town. Uh, I love being here. We're so grateful to God and the journey that he's taken us on. But often it looks different to what we have anticipated. Paul's life was shaped by stories of God taking him and using him in these ways. And, and for us, we need to always be open to God constantly calling us, speaking to us and leading us. I've written here, there are just too many attractive things, and often in our lives that there are attractive things that would want to take us in different directions. Better jobs, better house, better car, better location. Whatever it may look like could be attractive. Unless God speaks, I would caution us from going there. I would caution us from going there. It's too easy to run after something 
and it not go well if Jesus hasn't spoken to us. Paul's heart here, though, in his letter with uh, talking about Timothy and Epaphrodites, he is again submitting himself to the Holy Spirit. I would, would imagine that these men were so key to Paul's ministry that he would have loved to have held on to them. Do you know, when you get some people in church life and you just think, these are just gold dust. They just get on and serve. They don't moan. They just do, do the business. We've all got, lots of you are, are like that. Just, just gold dust. And then God speaks and they go. Uh, that's not right. No, they're ours. Surely. And here Paul is, is almost reminding us that these relationships so precious to us are costly relationships. And they cost us as we see people come and go, just as it was for Paul. Massively costly for him to release these two men who had supported him and cared for him and looked after him. I think as a church, we have been incredibly generous in letting people go. But I say it has been so, so painful. So, so painful. It's costly to us as we see good people move on to other things. And yet you release people with love and grace. Then there might be a moment or two in there. But we have to release people. You are not our people. Mechanized leaders may one day be called somewhere else. We have to be willing to hear God speak to us. And in faith, release and move as God directs us. Paul talks about Timothy's genuine care. He talks about the way that he has loved this man as a son. Now, living in a house where most are females, including the dog, Ben and I have a unique relationship. He is my only son. And so therefore, there are things in Ben that I see are a little bit like me. Most of them are brilliant and good. Some of them aren't so. But certainly as Ben was growing up, one of the things that he reminded me of when I was his age was that he always used to take lots of toys to bed. If you ever went into Ben's bedroom when he was sleeping there would often be toys all around his bed i remember as a child i used to do that toy trains toy cars toy whatever used to come with me ben enjoys sport he likes football as you may be aware i quite like football uh he likes um playing volleyball we play in the same volleyball team now together there are things about me and Ben that are father and son relationships that have just been birthed out of me having a son, but him also being around me. Thankfully, most of the cranky things about me, Ben seems to have avoided with consummate ease. And may that long continue. But Timothy's love, uh, Paul's love for Timothy was he's just like he's my son. He's just like the one that I have grown myself. 
everything about Paul, he has poured into Timothy. He says in his letters across the New Testament, seven times Timothy has proven his worth. He's developed this amazing close relationship with him. And I would contend that just as Paul had poured everything into Timothy, we are also called to pour into others around us, to disciple those around us. And I think it's something that, you know, certainly in my own discipling, I can't say I've done too much of, okay, Steve, come and sit down with me. We're going to disciple together. That hasn't been the model that has helped me mostly. Some of it has, but not mostly. It hasn't been that formal sort of discipleship model. I think I've been discipled by those around me by just rubbing shoulders. You're being around people that I know will do me good, being around other leaders, other people in the church that I know that I will learn from. When we go to our prayer meetings um, at Dorchester, do you know, I love being around Andy Arscott because while he's not discipling me one-to-one, I'm being discipled by him, by the way he leads, by the way he speaks, by the way he encourages. And we want to be a church that are like that, that you disciple one another just by being you, just by being the person that God's made you. And we see this with Paul and Timothy. He's given everything to Timothy. And Timothy's learned from him because he was just rubbing shoulders. Do you know, when we had James on um, what was called the Frontier Project, um, it was uh, probably maybe 10 years ago. No, more than 10 years ago. Maybe 11, 12 years ago, James did the Frontier Project with us. And I know he often speaks about that year of doing training and, and, and so on. Most of what he learned was just hanging around people, hanging around leaders. And do you see how James has just continued to flourish and blossom and, and so on through his life? And actually, I love being around him now. You know, he just does me good. We, you know, he's somebody I can learn from. And I just encourage us to have some Timothy-Paul relationships. Even now, this morning, just think about, okay, who would that be? Who am I close to? Who am I? It may be somebody within our church. It may be somebody outside our church. But I would encourage you to have the same sort of relationship that Paul and Timothy have here in Philippines. Okay, let's look at Epaphrodites. Epaphrodites... This is an extraordinary thing that we can just read the text in, in, in the Bible and just completely miss the importance of what Paul is saying because it's natural language for us, but it would have been incredibly poignant for the Philippian church. Paul, the Hebrews of Hebrews, through and through. Epaphrodites is a Gentile. And... Uh, the mindset of the Hebrews and the Gentiles were completely different. Gentile dogs, were off, they were often called. Such was the cultural divide. And here Paul says about this man, he says, I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphrodites. Who? Who is Epaphrodites? He's my brother. This isn't somebody who I don't care for. This is somebody who is deeply in relationship with me. Gentile and Hebrew working together. God is calling us from every background 
to come together as church. It's so easy to hang around. I know it's easy for me to hang around people who like things that I like. That's easy. It's really hard to hang around people who don't like football. If you don't like football, I find you hard. Let's be honest. Trevor, I find you the most hard. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, come on. Whatever our passions are in life, it's easy to hang around. You know, if you're into bird watching, it's great being around bird watchers because you all have the same thing in common. Why would you want to do bird watching? Anyway, whatever it is. But to hang around people who are different from us takes time. It takes effort. It takes hard work. And I'm sure Paul and Epaphrodites had many things that they probably debated over. And yet he's saying to the Philippines, this man, he's like a brother to me. And God wants us to also be uh, in the same mindset. And then he talks about what's been happening in Epaphrodite's life. He's not been so well. In fact, he says this, indeed he was ill and he almost died, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on also on me to spare me from sorrow from sorrow. Now, see, you see, Paul is talking on a very human level. This guy, so he loves so much, had almost passed away. And Paul was almost preparing himself for the grief of that. Now, compare that to what Gary, can you remember what Gary preached on last time we looked at Philippines? I hope he preached on this because I wasn't here. But you remember, as Paul has only just been talking about this, let me just find the verse. Uh, verse. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I can't find it. But it's, it's the verse where he talks about where to, to live uh, for Christ, but to die is gain. I can't, why can't I find it? Anyway, to die is gain. So Paul's been saying, actually, I, I'd love to be with the Lord. I want to be with him. That for me is everything, but actually for far better for you, Philippine church, if I remain here and continue to encourage you. And here he's now saying, actually, it's better for me that Epaphrodites was with me, even though he knew in his heart of hearts that actually to die was to gain, to be with Christ, to be at the very place where we can sit at his footstool, to be out of pain, to be out of sickness, to be out of debt, to be out of troubles of this life is gain. And yet here he's saying to Epaphrodites, I'd much rather that he is with, with me. There are things in life that are often difficult, difficult situations, difficult things happen. Mick talking about this young lad who's lost his life. 21, 21. Jesus standing at Lazarus' grave. And we see the humanness in Jesus as he wept. We go through grief. We go through difficult situations. Life isn't always a bed of roses. And yet in it, God's mercy is there for us. And it was there for Paul and it's there for us too. Even in our challenges, God's mercy is still evident. It's so easy to live a life that is cold, automatic Christianity. Cold, automatic Christianity is about, I go to church on a Sunday. I might go to a prayer meeting. I might go to a small group. I might 
whatever. But the rest of it, I'm not interested in. We don't want to live cold, automatic Christianity. We want to live lives that know God, know him, and love him. He talks about Epaphrodites in this way. He talks about him being his fellow worker. Epaphrodites wasn't here for a holiday. If you're here for a holiday, enjoy your holiday. But you know what I'm saying? Being part of a church is not just about being on holiday. It's not about just turning up, rocking up, going home, letting everybody else do everything. Actually, working together as a church family is often hard work. We need lots of grace when things don't go quite right, and they don't go quite right. In our house, it didn't go quite right this morning. Uh, we, we came in different cars, and we have both sets of keys for one car here and not at home, and so walking was happening, and it just it didn't start well this morning. But we have to keep coming with grace to every situation. Working alongside one another, we need amazing grace. You know, because I will do things in a way that you don't like. You will do things in a way that I don't like. We need to be gracious to one another. Paul was a man of grace with his fellow workers. Not only was Epaphrodites his fellow worker, he talks about him being his fellow soldier. We don't just work together, but we're fighting spiritually together. You remember the story of Nehemiah? As he is called back to help uh, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem after the Old Testament, Hebrews have been out in exile. They come back to Jerusalem, and part of Nehemiah's role was to lead the people at the time. And there's, there's a portion in Nehemiah where he talks about him not having a trowel in one hand as he's building and a sword in the other. I'm sure many of you know that story. That's our, that's our, our stance as believers, is that, that we are building together but we're also fighting together, that we're watching out for one another. We are in a spiritual battle. And things will be constantly coming up against us, constantly coming up against us. But we need to look out for each other. We need to watch out and care for one another. Epaphrodites was a man who was a fellow soldier with Paul. He supported him. He fought with him. Paul talks about how much he honoured him and how much he took his anxiety from him. Epaphrodites was also a messenger and a minister. He was a messenger to the Philippians, but he was a minister to Paul's needs. He was happy to get alongside Paul as he was called to preach the gospel. Do you know what? Playing second fiddle sometimes when you are able to lead yourself is one of the most gracious gifts I believe any believer can have. When you are a leader, in whatever context, it could be a worship leader, it could be a kids worker, it could be a small group leader, it could be a leader in hospitality, whatever it might be. But playing second fiddle, playing behind somebody else, second in command, if you like, is an amazing, gracious gift. And do you know what? We need a church full of second fiddlers, if you like. 
We need people who are willing to. Do you know what? It's not about me. It's not about my ministry. It's not about my gift. But I'm willing to submit myself to those who are over me in the Lord. Those who have been called by God to lead in this season. And I'm willing to get underneath and under their wing and to help them and encourage them and support them. We need to be a church that are full of second ones in command, if you like, over those who are leading us. Be encouraging to your connect group leaders. Get behind them, encourage them, support them. Even if you could lead your connect group, even if you feel you could do your Bible study better, even if you feel you could lead worship better, even whatever it is, be, be great at being second fiddlers in the orchestra. We need a church full of them. And here Epaphrodites, Paul is telling us, he was like that. He was willing to serve me. He was willing to go there for me. Times and seasons always look different. What the church looks like today, it will look different in six months' times. It will look different in six years' time. But in this season, let's get right behind those who lead us. We need to be people, if you like, that model. This is all coming out of Jesus' model, laying our lives down. We need to be like Jesus. We need to be like Paul. We need to be like Timothy. We need to be like Epaphrodites. This whole chapter is about friends on a mission together. It's about friends on a mission together. We need to know that we are friends on a mission together. It's, it's not about individuals. It's not about the ones and the twos, but we're in this together. And if you're visiting us in your local church, you are friends on a mission together. Paul had friends. He had fellow laborers. He had sons in the Lord and brothers who risked their lives in direct response to what Jesus had done and that he had laid their life down for them. That was Paul's message. Fellow friends, fellow laborers, sons in the Lord, brothers who were willing to risk their lives in direct response for what Jesus had done for them and that he'd laid his life down. Should we just stand? I'm sure we'll come just back into worship. As um, <clears throat> to come before him. Father, we want to thank you for just amazing privilege of being part of a family. Lord, I want to thank you for families, physical families represented around this room. I want to thank you for sons and daughters. I want to thank you for mums and dads. Lord, I want to thank you that every one of us has family around us. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we reflect perhaps on our own families and perhaps some of them look a bit broken, some of them are not quite right, some of them are tested, some of them are broken relationships, I want to thank you that you adopt us into an incredible family of God. I want to thank you that you have brought us into something that we could not bring ourselves into in our own effort. I want to thank you that when you adopt us, we are truly adopted as sons and daughters. I want to thank you that, that as we come into a 
company of people in a local church, but also in a worldwide sense. Lord, I thank you that you call us to be brothers and sisters to those around us. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would be full of grace for one another. I pray we would be a people that are willing to submit ourselves to those who are over us. I pray that we'd be a willing people to go when you call us, but not to run after things that you haven't called us into. God, I pray you'd make us faithful in the things that you've called us to right now, right here in this day. Lord, would you open our hearts to all that you've got for us. Lord, I pray for an outpouring of grace in friendship amongst us. I pray, Lord, for an outpouring of your spirit on us. Jesus, on this town, Lord, I thank you for Weymouth. I thank you for Portland. I thank you for the communities you've placed us in. Lord Jesus, would you continue to move, we pray, for your glory, for your namesake. Amen.